Welcome to the On to Something podcast. If you and I have not met before, my name is Zane Witcher. I host this podcast, and this is the place where we help you find that aha moment, the I think you're on to something moment in your life. And we do this in a couple ways. This week, I have the pleasure of sharing a friend and a mentor of mine, Justin Gerhardt, and his project slash podcast that he calls Holy Ghost Stories. If you haven't heard of this project yet, it's basically a storytelling podcast that retells scripture in a beautiful, convicting, and slightly bone-chilling way. It's innovative. Other people are not doing this right now. I think it's really cool experience. But I wanted to share this conversation with Justin because he has found the thing that he wants to contribute to the world. Now, I wanted to share with you the inner workings of a creative that is going through the creative process because Justin is definitely that. But also, I want to help you walk with someone who's taken a seed of an idea and helped it grow into a massive dream. Now, two things to lean into. One, pay attention about two-thirds of the way of the podcast. Justin talks about the motivations that finally pushed him to the edge to take a risk on this idea. I find this very helpful when finding what you are onto in life. And second of all, his advice near the end of the podcast is phenomenal for anyone who's a lifelong dreamer that wants to help an idea come alive and hint His whole point is an idea can't just stay an idea. I thought this was super helpful. In a second, we're going to hop into the conversation, but I thought first it would be fun for you to have a small sampling of what it sounds like to experience what he creates that he calls a Holy Ghost story. Seven days. The high ground is occupied. Without a place to flee, terrified men and women watch from the branches of trees, from stacked rocks, from bricks hastily thrown into piles, impotent as the rain lashes and the floodwaters surge. Finally, the interloping sea engulfs their extempore roosts and sets them adrift. How long? Can a person tread water? These people find out the exact number of minutes and seconds. It's less if you've got a child in your arms. Though this does not seem to be a problem, these parents, making every effort to ensure their own survival, have long since abandoned their babies. So first, I think we are breaking a record here uh, because you are... uh the furthest person I've interviewed right now, as far as location goes. I'm excited. Would you about like that. to share with people where you are right now? Yes, I I am coming to you from Belfast, Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the British how, Isles. How long are you going to be there? Uh, we'll be here for about three weeks total, and then. And then we're off to Croatia for a little while, and then maybe back here for another five weeks or so before we come home to the states for Christmas. But, uh, but that depends on whether <laughs> how fluid we decide we want to believe that the UK visa policies are. <laughs> 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 we may have already overstayed our welcome, and we may have to spend a little extra time in Croatia instead. Yikes! Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's fine. 
this is okay. this may be the last podcast interview I record uh, oh. from outside of a prison cell. What an honor. What an honor. Uh, okay, so that's not a casual statement whatsoever. Like, I don't think most people are describing their three to six months the way you just did. So let's um, let's set you up with what are the three things that people need to know about Justin Gerhardt? Uh, okay. Because maybe that will explain the context of why in the world you're even in Belfast right now. Well, I, uh, I won't say these are the three things. But here's our, here are three things. How's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I am currently traveling the world slowly but surely mm-hmm. with my family. Uh, mm-hmm. We are making our way around the world uh, sort of one country, one continent at a time for two or three months at a time in most cases. We'll be uh, in Cape Town and the New Year. Lord willing, we'll spend Easter in Jerusalem and then uh, South America next fall. Uh, we spent the first half of this year in Southern England and uh, all around the U.S. this summer. And now, like I said, we're in we're in Belfast. So we're in an interesting season. Our kids are in middle school, mm-hmm. and we thought, you know what, this is a weird time anyway. Let's just snatch them out and hold them close and <laughs> and homeschool them and and go on an adventure together around the world. So uh, so that's what we're doing. That's one thing uh, I would say. A second thing is I'm I'm super curious. I've always been curious. I'm relentlessly curious. I cannot help but wonder about everything. Um, sometimes that's a liability. Often, I think if channeled correctly, that is an asset. Uh, but I know that there have been times when I've been driving down the road, like on a road trip, and a semi, like one of those big flatbed trailers comes up next to us at 70 yeah. miles an hour, and there's a big tarp like wrapped around whatever is on the back of that. And I turned to my wife, Jennifer, and I'm like, if you could pay $50 right now to know what is under that tarp and where it will end up eventually, would you pay it? And she's like, no. And I would pay it every single time. So uh, and it'd be the curious. 50 best dollars you ever spent. Oh, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I would say one more thing. Uh, when I was 11, I dreamt of running away from home. Had a whole plan developed. I wanted to float down the Mississippi River on a flatboat uh, in the style of Huckleberry Finn. And uh, I drew up plans. I had actual like blueprint plans for the flatboat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. never did happen. But you know what? My life's getting weirder and weirder. And who knows? <laughs> Maybe that's got 2025 written all over it. Maybe so, especially with your travel plans. There's a chance Mm -hmm. for it. It really is. Okay, so I think that gives a really good snapshot of who you are. So I wrote down three things as well that people need to know. Uh, And we'll compare notes now. Now, this is on the (laughs) honor system. I'm going to keep mine mine, uh, correct and exact and honest the way way that I had it. Yeah, so first one was uh, you are truly a nomad with your family right now which that one we linked perfectly on the first one yeah uh second and this is because we've served together and done ministry together uh i still never forget your coffee is always black it is i feel like that one always has to be that do you want to explain to people why you don't appreciate artistic coffee listen Zane, I think the the onus is actually on you do you want to explain to people why you want to ruin good coffee by uh you know by 
desecrating it mm-hmm. with with various substitutes, dairy products, and <laughs> refined sugars. Oh <laughs> no, I uh, the black coffee thing. I always wanted to bring, drink my coffee black. I never could and never did until huh. I don't know, like eight years ago. I did the whole thirty thing. And uh, you can only have black coffee. And it was finally enough to get me through the hump of like, this tastes disgusting until, oh, I actually like my coffee this way. And when that happened about day 17, I quit the whole program. And that's the only thing I kept. <laughs> Is that serious? Yeah. That's not why I did. I did thing, not know But that. that's the only thing that persists. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's it. That makes sense. Also, you've got a background in philosophy and Y'all just totally saw how that happened. So I asked Justin a question and he immediately turned the question back on me. That's a good epitome (laughs) of a philosopher. Very Socratic. Just move it back. (laughs) All right. And then the last one that I had is uh, words and creativity are a love language for you. That's true. So I think I think one of the things I picked up from you that has become a part of my DNA that I think is from your DNA is learning how to have an eye for things like learning how to develop a good taste. Now, a lot of that was aesthetic. Now, a lot of people would even tell you that like my clothes have come a long way in the process (laughs) of that. Um, But I feel like words and creativity, you have an eye for you drink it up and then you make out of that. Would you that's, that's true. Right. That is true. And I don't know that uh, my realization of that has grown over time. Uh, it, it just, and it's not a, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. And uh, I just, I, I, it crystallized for me when I did a, uh, we were going through some hiring processes at work at the time and we were running people through these profiling services done by this professional group. And I got run through the same system because we were looking for a match on staff and all that. It, my results came back and the woman sat down with me for the debrief and she was like, Justin, this is bizarre. And she went on to tell me various weirdnesses of myself. And she said, one of the things that I have never seen before, she said, on the, this scale, she said, this bar right here is aesthetics. It is it it that includes visual beauty, but also just uh-huh. general harmony, symmetry, that sort of thing. She said your score is three orders of magnitude above the average. She oh. said, "What <laughs> is that about?" And I said, "I don't know. <laughs> I'm paying you to tell. What you is tell that me. about?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think what it. But one of the one of the ways that manifests is just a a relentless like craving for um for yeah aesthetic beauty um symmetry uh things to be in order um i cry a decent amount i guess for a grown man uh (laughs) but i don't cry almost ever when i'm sad i am most i like i am guaranteed to cry if if you look at me and i'm crying 98% 98% chance it is because something is beautiful. Huh. That is what will get me every single time. Wow. Okay. Which you have to be crying a decent amount with where you've been traveling to lately. If I had it's to true. I just, uh, I walk out my door and, and weep. That's, that's all yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. 
I did not know that. He caught me off guard with that. Okay, well let's talk about let's talk about a project that could make people weep if they got into it. How, how you like that transition? Nice <laughs> segue. Um, Holy Ghost Stories. This is a project. This is a podcast that you've been doing. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, Thanks, man. From the score to what's happening to the writing that goes with it. For those who don't know what Holy Ghost Stories is, if you're just sitting across the table from them, can we get a one minute pitch of like, here's what it is, and here's why I think everyone should give it a listen? Okay, so Holy Ghost Stories is is basically a cinematic telling of the stories of the Old Testament in mm-hmm. audio form. It is meticulously written and mm-hmm. every episode has a full musical score. It's spooky and redemptive mm-hmm. and basically my best attempt to honor the fantasticness of God's favorite stories. Absolutely. So that's that's it. It's basically like I, I'm trying to make well-told Bible stories for grownups. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times like we, we yeah. lean into those stories for kids and that's great. But yep. uh, you know, anybody who's read the primary text knows these mm-hmm. are not stories for children. Mm-hmm. And uh and sometimes we put a lot of effort into the telling of those stories, you know, like we do big VBS sets and costumes and curriculum gets written for Bible classes and stuff. We put so much emphasis on how the stories are told engagingly for children. Uh, And then it seems like none of that story craft gets put into uh, telling these stories for uh, an adult audience. And that's a shame because I think adults are the, are the actual audience for these stories. And so this is, this Mm -hmm. is my attempt to uh, put something out there. Here is uh, the best job I can do telling these stories in a compelling, uh, beautiful, redemptive way. Mm-hmm. And you let, I mean, if you scroll through some of the episodes, I mean, the stories are sharp. You let the stories have texture to them. You're honest with them. You also move some details that maybe maybe aren't in the text, but a way to help people kind of see the imagery that comes from it. I mean, it's beautifully set of so like, thank you. So when this project first came out, Carolina heard it before I heard it and she listened to an episode and I asked her, what'd you think? It's in my queue. Like I'm, I'm about to listen to it. And she goes, oh, that, yeah, I don't listen to that at night anymore. And I was like, "What? why do you not listen to that night anymore? And she goes, because it's scary. Like, it honestly is scary, and I have trouble sleeping, especially with the underscores of the sound. And I was like, wow, you were able to create such a project that a 30-year-old woman is actually slightly terrified to listen. I think, it, it. again, like, these stories, like, if we're not a little freaked out, we're we're telling them wrong because yeah, dude, yeah. What's they are all this dark for? and gritty. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, I'm glad so to hear me. that. And my apologies to your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can DM her later. Um, <laughs> how did you know when you ran across this idea that you wanted to run with it? Well, so one of the things that. I love so much about this is I, I spent 20 years preaching, right? 
And I always loved preaching. Uh, Preaching ministry involves a lot of things, as you well know, in addition to preaching. But of all of those things, and I liked so many of them, I loved preaching the most. And Mm -hmm. of all the... uh, of all the preaching I did, I always loved preaching narrative texts the most. Mm-hmm. But, but those narrative texts, those stories, you you get to sort of tell the story, but you but you don't really get to tell the story. Like it's the constant breaking of the fourth wall, constant right. because it's always done uh, with this sort of didactic from this didactic angle, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to mm-hmm. teach you something. Um, we need to see where we apply. It's like constantly hitting the pause button on the story yeah. and turning to the audience and being like, now remember, or actually, or don't do this, you know, or yeah. haven't you been there or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that was always, uh, I don't even know that I was frustrated by it. It was like a growing itchiness sort of over time uh, because you could I could never just let the story stand. And then two, the thing that, man, it just wrecked me with preaching. As much as I always loved preaching, uh, that sermon every single week uh, or almost every single week, you just can't get them the way you want them. Yeah. You know, like there's always yeah. a bunch more to do yep. and your attention is so divided. And once a week is a furious pace. That's if you're only preaching once a week. I started out preaching three times a week, uh, mm. three different sermons, which is bananas. But um, but the thing was like, as we have already discussed, I love things to be beautiful and I mm. love things to be precise and exact and just so. And I could never almost never feel like that was happening with a sermon. Now, thankfully, the Spirit of God comes in and is the ultimate ace in the hole, obviously, and and His Word accomplishes what He sends it out to accomplish. That always saved the day and was always, you know, like a a great consolation to me. (laughs) However, I just wanted to make something (laughs) that was finished. Yeah. And yep. this one of the one of the reasons that this project really grabbed hold of my heart, I think, was it it allowed me to spend time in those stories that I think are just magical, and it allowed me to communicate them in a way that where I was able to give so much attention to detail, where I was able to achieve a level of precision that you know a sermon, a live context would not allow for, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it it just it I, I get to make something that is everything I feel like it could be. Mm-hmm. So that that's one thing that really drew me to to this project in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you can actually look at every fine detail and actually be able to have it there. Perfect. What's the goal that you're shooting for that tells you you've reached it and it's complete? Like it hits the way it hits. It sounds the way you want it to sound. It is achieving what you're hoping that the story and maybe the spirit's working through that. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It might be a little different for every episode, but the, the, the things that I think that the threads that run through every one of them, I feel like it's right when I have, I've done, I feel like I've done the story justice. Like the Bible is so short. 
mm-hmm. considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to deserve, like, for whatever reason, I feel like that's why I'm fascinated by the canon of stories that were given. Uh, because for whatever reason, God decided these are the ones that mm-hmm. I want to give airtime to. You know, like, I mean, John says, even if we're just talking about Jesus, he says at the end of yep. his gospel account, right? Like if, if I wrote everything down, if, if all the stories that happened with Jesus were told, oh my goodness, you know, the ocean couldn't contain, right? And imagine backing up over another millennia and a half plus, you know, during this time that, that we have some record of in the Old Testament, there's so many stories that didn't get told these stories why did they get told i sometimes i don't know but the fact that they did get told always makes me think i better do justice to these because these are the (laughs) ones that god said these are the photographs i kept Mm. Mm. i want these photographs will tell you the story of of my journey with humankind this is what i want you to know this is the story of your family and so i want to do justice to every one of these stories. And, and I feel like I, I'm satisfied when that the story feels, um, when the characters in the story feel alive. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think we're so guilty of with these stories is two-dimensionalizing the characters. We turn them into mm-hmm. uh, props or wallpaper, or mm-hmm. honestly, we, we really... Um, I, we we take away a lot of their dignity, I think, in in an effort to to use them as examples mm. of what not to do or how not to be. Um, and I I have I'm sure I've done it preaching. Um, I've I always was so uh, intentional trying not to do it, but I know that I never I didn't always get it right. I know that I have cringed listening to sermons that I just wanted to stop while this person was up there talking about Adam or up there talking about King Saul or up there talking about David. And I just wanted to walk up there and say, Adam is a real person. Like he was trying Hmm. like you, Lord willing, you you may meet Adam one day and it's going to be awkward at first because you, you were a jerk to him. (laughs) <laughs> for the last 10 minutes and he wasn't even here to defend himself you know like i just feel like these are real people and it's my task in telling these stories to three-dimensionalize them and to preserve their dignity to approach every single one of them with empathy whether it's mm-hmm. ehud or whether it's eglon and uh and and do my best to preserve the fullness of their humanity. And when I do that, now it's a story I think that's worth listening to because it's a story with characters who are multidimensional, who want something. Mm -hmm. And as we know, there's plenty of conflict in the world. There's plenty of conflict in the Old Testament. If you've got characters who want something, who experience conflict on the way to get it, you've got a great story. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if I, I, I will get done writing an episode and... And my first, uh, my my first thing that I do when I get done writing is give it to my wife, who's uh, uh, taught, taught college English. She's an incredible writer and author. She's an incredible editor. I give it to her, and the 
the the feedback that I cringe when I get back because I know it's going to take a lot more work than other things is <laughs> I just feel like I don't I still don't know insert person's name here huh. like I, I feel yeah. like I still don't know Zedekiah mm. and that means that I have failed mm. and so when I feel like I I know these characters when I feel like a, a, a a person in the audience will listen to them and feel like they know them better. They understand what makes them tick. And that includes, by the way, Yahweh, mm. because he's in every mm. one of these stories. And I try to make him a feature, if not the actual protagonist. Mm. Um, I try to make him central. And so if if they're represented well and we feel like we know them, then I know I'm, I'm probably done. I'm ready to record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's almost a grace of not knowing, like every person you encounter, there's a level of inner internal dialogue that you never know with the person. There's edges that you never get. So yes. it's almost like you're trying to find that perfect balance of like, I want you to see everything you could possibly see with the tensions that this character navigates, but also with the grace and reality of like, there's always a piece we never see with some people. But I think that's the fun part of the project is you really try to help us see every angle in feeling it. Absolutely. And there's, there's, it's, it's, you feel like you're walking a knife edge sometimes because one thing, you know, that uh, doesn't come across in the text of the Bible is tone of voice, for instance. Mm. And sometimes one sentence can be, it can mean four different things depending on, what tone of voice it's delivered in. And, and I'm like, Oh, like, I wish I could hear them say this or just watch their face because I, it could be this, or it could be this. And sometimes, and you'll hear this as you listen. Um, sometimes I'll explore both possibilities Hmm. as a storyteller and, and be like, Hey, maybe it was this, maybe it was this. And then maybe make a move that's like either way and then sort of move on. Mm-hmm. But I, but I want to, I don't want to make too many decisions in behalf of, of these people because I might be wrong and I don't want too many awkward moments in eternity. <laughs> <laughs> so fill in the timeline for people. I know I'm shifting the question on you a little bit from what we talked about before, but help paint for people where this idea start and come from. And then how do you let it grow, 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 grow? to the place where it is now? Like, can you walk people through that timeline? Yeah. So I knew when I, when I felt that God was maybe opening a door for me that would lead me away from full-time local preaching. Mm -hmm. Thankfully at the same time, I, I, he was just lighting a fire in me for that, that was sort of pulling me toward the space of, uh, creatively communicating the old truths um, in a way that brings people into fresh encounters with God and his word. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to do that. I knew that I was interested in, um, in doing that by way of the arts. Um, I didn't know if that was um, visual or, um, or spoken or, or film oriented or, or what, but I, I knew that was the kind of thing I wanted to do. I knew that we need, I just feel like as a, as a church, 
we need more people um, like plowing new ground mm -hmm. in terms of how we communicate this message of ours. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just felt like I needed to be somebody who, who, who made an offering in that, mm -hmm. in that um, space, but I had no idea what that would look like. Um, and that was true when I uh, sat down with, with the elders at my church and said, I will be quitting, uh, resigning on, you know, at the end of this year. Um, I still didn't know what I was doing. They would ask and I would be like, well, it might involve sight and sound oh. and, you know, like it was so vague, you know, yeah. like I think you could tell they're like, you know, you have children, right? Like right. they need right. to eat. <laughs> There's can't. a thing called retirement. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm like, no, I've got a dream, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that's fine, but what's the dream? I'm like, I don't know yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know how it feels. I don't know what it looks like. So, um, so, but over over the course of the second half of last year, uh, I slowly began thinking um, about this this podcast, uh, sort of burgeoned as. Uh, as, as something I, I thought I wanted to do. I had done this, I had done two sermon series at the church where I preached um, in, in Austin, Texas. I had mm -hmm. done two sermon series that that were called Holy Ghost Stories. It was just, a, a, I did one in 2018 and in 2020 I did a volume two. And the mm -hmm. whole premise of the series was, was basically, let me, I wonder what would happen if I just got up and told one of these Bible stories. A lot of what I said frustrated me, uh, you know, a few minutes ago about our approach to these stories and how we don't just let them stand on their own. We don't devote story craft to them now that people are grownups, um, was frustrating me. And so I thought, and I was also noticing as you've noticed and anybody listening who's read these stories in scripture has noticed there's no like editorializing. There's no commentary. Uh, there's no like big to-do list at the end of the story. Now, remember, mm -hmm. don't be like David or this is sometimes yeah, wink, wink. you're, yeah. yeah, like you're thirsting for some sort of editorial content because you're like, man, was that okay that David did that? Or like, yeah. who is who's in the right here? Is anybody in the right here? Why, what does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this? You know, and relentlessly the Holy spirit is like zip next story. And I'm like, wait, can we go back? You know, I feel like the apostles after Jesus gets done with a, with a parable and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What does this even but, mean? But what about the parable you told this afternoon? Like, yeah. what does this mean? Yeah. And so, I, I just, I'm fascinated by that, that it, it just feels like it, it comes from a place, from a place of so much like chutzpah on the part of the Holy Spirit to, to tell us these stories and then just let, let them lie, uh -huh. you know, like th that's uh -huh. it. And yeah. it just seems like God is confident that it will rattle around in you and it will do what it needs to do because I know he wants them to shape us. It's, it's, I, I know for sure he wants us to be and become in light of these stories, but 
he seems to be okay with taking care of that in a sort of bespoke manner mm-hmm. in in you in a way that's different from what he does in me after we sit with mm-hmm. these stories. Anyway, so so I'm noticing that. I'm like, let me do this. Let me do a sermon series where I just get up and tell a story. Let me do some Old Testament stories because I like those a lot and they're sort of dark and moody. I'll tell these stories and I'll, I'll, I'll lean as far into making them interesting and, and immersive as I can. And then I'll sit down. The end. And that's it. And that's it. And I did that in 2018. I didn't know how it would be received. People loved it. And I had people listening from other states, like following along with the series and can't wait for the next one. And that blew my mind. I liked it a lot, but I was really excited that other people enjoyed it too. And it seemed like it was being productive. Like sure enough, uh, you know, as we said before, God's word does seem to not need our help. (laughs) And, uh, and it, it was doing things in the hearts of people, uh, in spite of my lack of commentary or application. And so uh, so that was that. And then, and then I came back to it in 2020 and uh, did a volume two with a few more stories. And it was then that I started to get frustrated because I had decided, man, let me lean a little further into like making this immersive. Let me put a little bit of music into the, mm-hmm. the first few sentences that I say. Let me put a little bit of music at the tail end. <laughs> and I would like, I went and found good music. I edited it down to where like, when this measure ends, I will be saying this word, the chord will resolve <laughs> and the sermon will be over. It's perfect. I've got, I've got 72 and a half seconds of music. It'll start here. I gave like, my notes up to the guys in the AV booth, you know, start it here, you know, whatever. Yep. And it did not go well. <laughs> like, <laughs> the poor volunteers up there, it wasn't their yeah. fault. They're missing yeah. their cues. The channel's muted. Like the music yeah. ends, you know, 10 seconds before it's supposed to end. It resolves the chord right when I'm like, <laughs> You know, like saying something that was wrong that happened. I don't like it was just yeah. uh, I You're was trying Icarus. to be Beethoven. Yeah, I, I yeah. flew too close to the side. I was trying to what I, and I was I was like, this is not. This is my fault. I am trying to make a sermon do yeah. what a sermon is not built to do. A sermon yeah. is built to do some things and it does those things super well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to do something similar but not the same and i and and it's begging for a different medium and that's when i was like ah holy ghost stories wants to be a podcast yeah i can i can script it just within an inch of its life i can make sure i'm not stumbling over a single syllable i can Mm -hmm. score the whole thing with a cinematic uh musical score and and it can be a really immersive experience for people, um, and so that's that's what I that's what I decided I would try first in this new uh, brave and foolish life of mine uh, when I when I left uh, my church in Round Rock and and struck out for the south of England with my family. Um, I decided let me try. Holy Ghost Stories as a podcast and see how that goes and see if I like it and see if it's received at all by by people who might listen. And 
uh, sure enough, it I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved making it. I loved every part of it. And people responded really, really enthusiastically to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to think, man, this might not just be the first thing that I do during this season. This just might be what I do during this season. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And logistically, because I know some people who hear this story are just like, oh my goodness, like he just he just went up and left and launched the pot, uh, fill in the logistics for him. So like, how'd you, how'd you prep for that? How do you get the podcast supported? Like, well, so I knew that income was going to be tricky during this time. And by tricky, I mean, largely non-existent <laughs> for, for the first uh, season. Like, you know, probably we, we made it to where my wife and I, uh, and thankfully she's amazing. Her, her faith in God is, is of a caliber that, that still like just leaves me speechless sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. uh, her faith in me Mm -hmm. similarly, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, is way more than it, than it should be. But, uh, she for a long time had been sensing this shift in my calling and was all for it was was 100% behind it and and she she was the first one to say listen when you stop preaching you just take some time we'll figure out we'll we'll save up we'll make a little buffer for ourselves we'll we'll drastically reduce our living expenses give ourselves more time and then we'll make sure that for a year and a half you don't have to produce any income at all. Mm-hmm. And and we'll make this a season of exploration for you to where you're you're finding out what does this new calling look like and what does this new season involve. And uh and you're not constantly looking over your shoulder thinking, yeah, I mean I would love to do this, but, but. I I need to make a hundred bucks right now. Right. Right. And so that was wonderful. So so we we saved up money and then uh, and then figured out a way to drastically reduce our day-to-day living expenses and mm-hmm. uh, and one of the big parts of that for us was moving out of the United States of America because that mm-hmm. is one of the most expensive places in the world to live. <laughs> uh and part of that is is like lodging, but also part of it is uh, you kind of need a car to live in the U S and mm. the only places that you don't need a car in the U S are places that are crazy expensive. We've expensive lived in New York live. city. We didn't have a car when we lived in New York, but we were paying through the nose for rent and everything else. And so, um, moving abroad, uh, you just encounter a lot more cities that are walkable. We found, uh, we, we settled on some places that were affordable. The only reason we ended landed in England first was because, um, we were headed to Malaysia. We were going to Kuala Lumpur first. And that just never opened up in terms of COVID restrictions for Mm. international entry. And so England was still open uh, and like Airbnb prices were a lot less than I think they usually are. And so we scooped up a spot Mm. and uh, made sure it was in a town where we wouldn't need a car. And uh, we got rid of our got rid of our cars and we didn't have any debt and had saved up this little, uh, sort of buffer and, uh, 
and then that was that was that. We stopped going out to eat and mm-hmm. ate a bunch of rice <laughs> and uh, didn't buy anything at all ever. <laughs> and uh, and we're still like we're still doing a lot of that right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but that, I mean, we were able to, in the end, uh, and, and two, we're not like traveling all around all the time. It's not like we're like getting on a plane every weekend, right? right? That would, that would be a certain amount of expense. We're going to a place we spent five months from January to June, just hold up, not one even barely yep. getting on a bus, uh, in Southern England. And so that's the kind of slow travel that we're doing, but we've been able to reduce our, uh, our living expenditures by two thirds. I think we're operating at about 30, 35% of where we were before. And so if you can pull, you can either make money or you can stop spending money. (laughs) It has the same effect. And so so we, we chose the, the latter for, for this season. Um, so then, uh, and, and that was, logistics were were crazy as you can imagine you know getting a family of four abroad for a long season and um and doing it during a pandemic uh was a whole thing Wouldn't recommend will not to a will not yeah uh i recommend the the product but but boy the process is <laughs> the rough. process to get there <laughs> yeah um but then uh but then you mentioned like what about sort of funding you know like Yep. Did you did you say so? Okay, my exit strategy in terms of poverty has been um, <laughs> has been Patreon. So I think probably most of your listeners. Sometimes I talk about Patreon to people who are like over forty years old, and they just are very confused. But if yeah. anybody listening does not know what Patreon is, it's a it's an online platform that allows creators to essentially crowdsource patronage. Mm -hmm. It allows the people who consume what you're creating to come alongside and support you on a monthly basis at various financial levels. And then you Mm -hmm. often like as the creator, give them bonus material as a thank you for, Mm -hmm. for their support. So, so anyway, uh, Patreon was always, I thought, I thought, man, that might be, that's the best, that's the best idea I have. Uh, when I, when I launched this in January of, of this year, I thought eventually I want to, I want to, see if see if we can do patreon with this and about eight eight episodes into season one um which was about three months into the podcast i went ahead and launched patreon and um and the response was was really encouraging i had a goal Mm -hmm. i I made a goal that was completely arbitrary i made a goal only because i feel like you're supposed to make goals for stuff like this and so i'm like all right i'm launching this i'm gonna push it from episode eight to episode 10, each season of Holy Ghost Rays is 10 episodes. And so I'm going to push it to the end of the season, talk about it. Let me try to see if during that five or six weeks, I can get 40 patrons. And uh, and then I, I launched Patreon with episode eight. And three days later, I had 40 patrons. And I thought, wow. I should make a new goal. <laughs> and so yeah. and so I bumped it to a hundred and told everybody and the next one, like naturally, hey, new goal. Now it's a hundred. <laughs> and uh and at this point now I, I we're at like 130 uh patrons. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and it's and it's just amazing to me that folks have been so generous uh, yeah. with that, and and that that is it. Like the only way this can work if you're not independently wealthy is for you to figure out how to make an income from this. This is why, by the way, we don't have more Christian art that's compelling. Huh. It's because people are afraid and stingy. Huh. The people who are afraid, shame on them for not taking a risk and going and doing something that could mm -hmm. go really sideways if it doesn't work out. You know, I mean, it's scary to have no money coming in. I, you know, firsthand experience. Yep. Um, but then also we're stingy because when somebody does swallow hard and go try to do something like this, um, if, if we don't back it, that's on us. And, and we're the mm -hmm. same people who are getting together at coffee shops, bemoaning the state of Christian art. Um, and it's on us as much as, as mm -hmm. is on anybody else. And so, uh, that was essentially my, my pitch to all my listeners on Patreon is like, listen, if you wonder why isn't there, like I did, honestly, I went, when I was like, let me do, let me do Holy Ghost Stories as a, as a podcast. Wait, there's people out there telling Bible stories Probably in really this. compelling yeah. ways for adults already. Let me look and just see what the landscape is. Could not find a single one. And no, not, not a single one. I mean, there was like one that was like for children. I, it, it duped me with the cover art. I thought, I thought this is it. <laughs> Listen, it's like, hey, boys and girls. I'm like, oh, you got me. Oh, and no, then, no. and then the other one was this one that was honestly just like a couple of pastors, uh, sort of taking on the bro posture, um, adding relevance and uh, a contemporary Which once again flair. Commentary again, yeah. And that's all it was. It was just them sitting around, um, sort of broing up these stories, you know, like, so then your boy Jethro rolls up and he's no. like, Momo, you know, like, anyway, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't listen to it. And it wasn't even a story. It was just an info dump, like a bulleted right. list of like, what happens in this story? Tell right. me a story is one thing. Tell me what happens in this story is something completely different. I want, tell me Ooh. a story. Ooh. And so, yeah. So anyway, there was nothing out there like this. And so I said to my patrons or potential patrons, I said to my listeners, I said, listen, if you are wondering like, man, I love this. Why isn't there more stuff like this? I said, mm -hmm. it's, it's very simple. It's because this is dangerous. <laughs> I have yeah. endangered my whole family in order yep. to pursue this calling. Yep. And it's because sometimes when people, you know, pony up and, and, or like bring on the danger, I, I want to try to create this, then we don't come along and back them. And it just, it's we dead in the, the water risk. and they, they yep. go sell insurance, you know, like, and so, yep. um, so that's, I was so grateful for the way people answered that call. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if people continue to answer that call with a spirit of generosity in terms of those, who, uh, those who listen to Holy Ghost stories and appreciate it coming alongside on Patreon, if that continues, it's like, I'm not there yet by any stretch, but if we continue on this trajectory, I will be able to continue to put this into the world for years to come. And mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just give it as a gift to people. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So it's free for everybody. And then those who really believe in it and want to continue giving it to other people mm -hmm. can come alongside as patrons. I like mm -hmm. that model. Yeah. 
Yep. And it, it, it really, the compelling side of how you pitch it really does make it a kingdom partnership effort of like, we're all in it. And yes. there's like a, there's a beauty, a disturbing beauty that God has given God's story to God's people. And we're the ones fragilely holding it. Yeah. And this to me just seems like a really creative way to be like, this is one of the ways that we're in essence carrying God. Like we're carrying the story, the bones, the tabernacle, the thing that God has given us to carry. We're doing it. And it seems really, it's just well really said. cool. Well it's said. Really yeah. Cool. I think that's it. It's, it's partnership because I recognize like the body metaphor is, I mean, that's it, Too right? Real. Like we cannot all go do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. the the lesson for your listeners is not like start a podcast telling Bible stories and move across the, the ocean when your children are in middle school, <laughs> right? Like that's not the takeaway. That might make sense for two of them. Wait but... till they're in high school. No. <laughs> <laughs> but not for all of it, right? Like, but there, like this is something that I could do, and this mm-hmm. this like aligns with my gifting. It aligns with my particular opportunities in this season of of my life, and my God given brand of craziness. But then there are there are others in the body of Christ who who just have a steady job and they just make money. Like yeah. every month, they just get a direct deposit in their bank account. It's magic. And they just go show up at work every day and then they, they get money. And then they've got a little extra. They've got like 10, 25, 50 bucks extra every month that they don't even need. They just like go to Target and wander around wondering like, yep. what could I, what could I spend this extra on? I've got so much. I don't even need don't it for rice. That. And I'm like, awesome. So like, maybe we could partner up and be the body of mm-hmm. Christ together. Right. Like, and, yep. and that's why I try, especially with Patreon to make sure my language is language, the language of partnership, right? Right. It's not like, hey, help me tell these stories. It's, hey, let's tell these stories together, right? That's compelling. And your part is just as essential as mine because I can keep doing what I'm doing, but if you stop doing what you're doing, it's over. Right. Right. Okay, so we're we're needing to close and wrap up here, but I know that there's some people that you've probably caught – I, I wanted people to see your imagination with this and see it from the seed that it is to the beautiful project that it is now. Um, we've got people who are also, they've kind of found their thing and they've found their thing. That's their Holy ghost story thing. What, what advice would you give now being, you know, I'm going to reveal Justin's age is 42. It is. 42. What would 42 year old Justin, what would, what would 42-year-old Justin say to 32-year-old Justin, especially along the lines of having the seed of an idea and where you are with life now? I would say, and this is, I would say, let me say this to 32-year-old Justin and then anybody who is anything like him, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or even a little further back in the journey. Um yep. Let me say two things. One, um, start making things and keep learning things. Hmm. Start making things and keep learning things. Um, If you've got a lot of creative ideas, that's awesome. No one cares that you have ideas. (laughs) You have to ship the product, right? And 
And often you get so frustrated that people aren't excited about your ideas and you're like, these codgers, you know, like set in their way. <laughs> no one says codger. I just, I was about you know, to say, I know. That is only your internal dialogue. I know. I know. This is what it sounds like inside my head. Um, no, like these people, like it's because they're old or it's because they're, they're, they're tired or it's because they, they, they don't get it or whatever. Like they don't understand, like, why aren't they as excited about my ideas as I am? Like, no one is excited about your ideas. People, mm. no one can get it, like, almost no one can get excited about an idea that's not in their head. They mm. have to get excited about something that they see. Mm. And so you have to do the hard work of bringing this to life, and then you can figure out what people want to vote yes or no on. Yeah. Right. But you can't say nobody liked my idea. Of course they didn't like your idea. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. you got to figure out how to make a version of that idea, at least ship that product. And then, you know, um, and then you, you then the world will <laughs> will weigh in on yeah. whether or not it's it's worth doing or your boss will weigh in or or what the people around you will weigh in. And so the only thing the only way to make that happen is to start making things like dreams are there. great ideas are great but you have to execute um, you have to develop the discipline it takes to execute and that is what you want to spend your 20s and 30s doing develop the discipline it takes to execute do hard things make beautiful things even when no one is watching no one is listening you have to develop that discipline and start making things. And then along that way, at the same time, you have to keep learning things. Um, and, and that looks like being curious. It looks like living an interesting life. Um, understand that you're living a story and like write down your life right now as if it were a story, just mm -hmm. jot it down for three minutes. And if it's like a super boring story, guess what? Like you can mm. change that and you probably should go do something interesting, live an interesting life and look for God in everything and in everyone. And as you do that day by day, month by month, year by year, you will learn things that are worth knowing and that, that are worth sharing and that other people are hungry to know um, and to have shared with them. And eventually, if you if you are diligent about making things, even when no one cares what you're making, and learning things, even when you think you know enough already, then eventually your craft will be worthy of your content. Wow. And your content will be worthy of your craft. Hmm. Both those things will intersect eventually I feel like I, I wasn't ready to make Holy Ghost stories in terms of content 10 years ago, right. nor was I ready to make Holy Ghost stories in terms of craft 10 years ago, but I was working on both of those. Mm -hmm. And finally, it's like those, those trees came together and started wrapping around one another. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I would say is just, is just keep going in both of those. Start making things and keep learning things. Um, it, it's Barbara Kingsolver, at least attributed to her, uh, the author who says um, her advice for young creatives is quit smoking and observe <laughs> posted speed limits. This will improve your odds of getting old enough to be wise. 
She's like, just don't smoke and don't speed, and eventually you'll live long enough to be wise, and that'll yeah. really do your art a lot of favors. <laughs> nice. Did not see that quote coming today, but there we go. Yeah. There we go. It's slapped. Okay. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful That's advice. what I would say. Questions as we're wrapping it up here. One, because people are, people are going to DM me if I don't ask you in this moment. Um, need to know favorite episode you've done in the entire entire project that's the first one all right second one is going to be what preview can you tell us with on to something that's coming down the pipe for holy Uh, ghost stories what's something juicy okay so uh i think you know choosing a favorite episode is like choosing a favorite child zane i just it's possible have a hard time (laughs) doing You have one, but you don't want to say it out loud. Uh, no, um, I, I think I would have to say episode 10 of season one so far oh, wow. is okay. one that would definitely be a contender for my favorite. Which um, is over which story? This is the story of Yahweh and Noah and the flood. Mm, okay. You know, for every one of these episodes, I, I try to settle on um, a protagonist. I think that's the most compelling way to tell most stories. And uh, from the beginning, I've thought, you know, as I've, I've sort of told the story from the perspective of, of Esther or told the story from the perspective of Ehud or told the story from the perspective of Rahab, I've thought, man, one of these times I want to make Yahweh the protagonist of the story. Mm-hmm. I want to tell the story from his perspective, look at his internal motivations and sort of track with him through the whole thing. And I decided to Which do it. Which is quite a task. Exactly. It, it is quite a task, period. But then I decided that the one I would try to do it on was the one story where Yahweh kills everyone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which like rule number one, as you're like telling a story, <laughs> is make people root for your protagonist. Yeah. tough to do with yeah. this one. But I thought, listen, here's my heart in all of it. Let me show you how much you love your heavenly father. If I can give you some time with Yahweh where you're not trying to get something from him, you're not trying to learn something about him, you're not trying to figure out how not to make him angry, you're just with him. I think, by the way, that's why he tells us so many stories, right? He's like, I just want to be with you. I just want to show you some pictures like of times when I was with other people. This is, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the relationship I want. And so my heart in Holy Ghost Stories is to give people time with their Heavenly Father. That's one of the reasons I don't call him God. I call him Yahweh because he has a name. This is what the people of Israel called him. Mm-hmm. And God is too, it's too misty. It's too far off. It's too big. It's too nebulous and cosmic. Yahweh, like somebody with a name, mm-hmm. I could do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to tell the story of the flood from the perspective of Yahweh. And I was nervous about it, but... I thought, if it is true that God is good and he's always good, 
then I can tell even this story from his perspective and garner empathy on the part of the audience, including myself. And I mm -hmm. felt like by his grace, I was able to, to do that. I know that I left that episode feeling so much closer to him than I did when I started it. So that would be, I think, the one that I would say. Episode wow. 10, it's called The Optimist and the Only One. Man, if that doesn't make you want to go click on the episode, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know what will at that point. <laughs> All right, and then final, get, give us a preview of something. Okay, Let's so down the pipe. no one knows this. We are going to, I, I'm, I'm excited about the next episode that's coming. It is the story of Deborah and mm -hmm. Barack. Uh, who, by the way, like Deborah and who? How did you grow up hearing his name said? See, I didn't. I didn't dare even say it. I just kind of. Okay, I, just I always found heard a way Bayrak. To say it. I always heard Bayrak, Deborah and Bayrak. But then I was like, I was doing, I was writing this episode, and I'm like, I don't think anybody said Bayrak. Like I, I know the way they said Deborah would have sounded different, but like right. Bayrak sounds very like incorrect. And so I'm like Googling around trying to like hear How Hebrew people pronounce this. Everything I could find was that seemed legit was Barack. Barack. Okay. And so it was so funny. I really felt like I was spending time with Michelle and Barack. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode. Anyway, you it's, were it's not Michelle. It's not Michelle and Barack. It's 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 Deborah and Barack. Um, I love that story, and um, and I'm telling that story. I'm ending it with the the defeat of Sisera's troops, but not with the the assassination of Sisera, uh, so famously done with the tent peg by JL that is going to be a separate bonus episode for patrons oh, only. Oh, okay. Okay. So, right. uh, it, and it's, Oh, it's, it's so good. Like I <laughs> love that story. It's not the episode. The episode isn't done yet. The episode <laughs> may be terrible, but the story as it exists in the old Testament right now is gold. It's gold. That's there. There you go. There's, there's something that's coming down the pike. <laughs> it ushers you into a place of wonder to capture you. Just by, I mean, the nitty grittiness of life in those stories. Dave, Justin, thank you so much. Holy Thanks Ghost Stories, so where can people me. find it? Yeah, you just search Holy Ghost Stories, uh, three words, Holy Ghost Stories in your uh, your podcast app, whatever it is. We're on Spotify, mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, whatever. Um, you can... You can also listen at the website, holyghoststories.org. And then uh, you could just search Holy Ghost Stories on Instagram and follow along. On the um, on the website, also holyghoststories.org, I do a newsletter, like an email newsletter every two weeks that's full of a bunch of like Holy Ghost Stories behind the scenes stuff, a little bit about my family's global wanderings um, du jour. And then also I've always got a roundup of a few, uh, things that I found on the internet that I think are cool. So, uh, you can sign up for that newsletter there at holyghoststories.org too. Well, that's a wrap friends. I hope it was 
an experience for you listening to Justin with it, go over to Holy Ghost Stories. Give that episode he was talking about at the end a listen. And I hope you got to glean a couple things from the creative process because I think Justin is up and coming in what he's doing in his creative process. Know that you can always go to www.ontosomethingnog.com. And when you go there, you can always find resources and you can also find transcripts of different podcast episodes, just not interviews like these. But friends, as I always sign off every single time until we meet again and I'm in your earbuds, may you remember that we are onto something. <laughs>